Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Oh, good morning. It is Wednesday, September 6th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So President Walnut is wearing a mask. Jill Biden and Whoopi Goldberg have COVID. Barack Obama is gay. Wow, what a week. It's only Wednesday. And we're going to get to all of it. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there at Casey Daniels 317. And of course, we're both on YouTube right now if you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Okay, so uh, I, uh, I saw this yesterday, Casey, and it just... You ever have, the older I get, the more I am capable of doing what I call stop and restart. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, as a younger man, and this will, this will floor you, Casey, I was rather, I was rather animated in my younger years. <laughs> no surprise. Don't necessarily, didn't necessarily always have the, the ability to process like mm. I do as I near 40 years on this planet. But I now have the ability to do what I call stop and reset or stop and restart and that is see something that in a previous life might have made me go oh i don't know i what do we call it on hammer nigel off the rails Mm -hmm. but as an adult as an aging adult Mm -hmm. i am capable of seeing something looking at it Mm -hmm. compartmentalizing it stopping Mm -hmm. processing the that for which i have just seen and then restarting in a very calm professional fashion i think they call that growth good for you (laughs) um so at almost 40 years old i saw yesterday grandpa what do you call him president what's his name walnut Walnut, who has not tested positive for covid Mm -mm. he is not having any symptoms whatsoever correct while he has totally lost his marbles and is a delusional old fool his actual physical health kind of appears to be okay for a man who is 9 million years old. (laughs) And so he has no ailment or illness or symptoms or signs. He has taken the test, which we were told the test was the gold standard, right? Yeah. And yet I saw him in a crowd of people wearing a mask. However, the same crowd of people was around him. He took the mask off and got up and started speaking. Yes. So what's the point? are we doing here virtue signaling oh my gosh. so jill biden has tested positive for covid president biden has tested negative for covid <laughs> as you mentioned he's not experiencing any symptoms yet the white house says that they are following the cdc guidelines recommended which is a combination of masking testing and monitoring oh stop and biden walnut he's doing all of that quote in close consultation with his physician but he got up and he took the mask off casey when he actually started doing the things that might spread the covid if he had it which he doesn't because he tested negative and i thought the test was the gold standard Mm -hmm. 
He took the mask up and started talking. And during that Medal of Honor ceremony, which he abruptly walked away from. <laughs> Can you tell about that? So he gives the guy this medal, right? Yeah. It's one of the nation's highest honors. Yep. This guy was a, an army veteran of or military veteran of mm-hmm. some sort. 81 years old. Yes. He gives, he gives this guy the medal. And then instead of, you know, the ceremonial, hey, shake hands, pose for photo, you know, pat on the back. You, you've seen these, you know, presidents give these medals, you know, the medals of freedom, et cetera. You know, for everybody's seen it. Mm-hmm. He just gives the guy the medal and walks off the stage. He did before the closing benediction. <laughs> and that poor man was sitting there by himself. Oh he looked like he was about to cry. <sighs> Because Biden just left him there, left our troops in Afghanistan, military morale is down, recruiting lowest in decades, forced masking and unnecessary vaccines on the military. And now he just walked out of a Medal of Honor ceremony, the highest honor for a soldier. And President Walnut just walks away. But back to the masking, uh, it's back. It's coming back in many places. Donald Trump just came out and he said that he's calling for the COVID vax makers to release their safety data. He was having a major conversation with Tudor Dixon from Michigan. Time and nope, time out, time out, time out. This is where you're going to call out Trump. Yes. And this is why our show is so popular. We hate all of these people equally. (laughs) They should have called out the safety data before they unleashed it on the public. Yeah. Before oh, they mandated oh, it. Oh, so when it benefited you, well, let's uh, FedEx that stuff out as fast as we possibly can. But when it doesn't benefit you, oh, we got to know the safety data. See, this is the, the, all of these people. They're a pox on all their houses, Casey. Mm. They're all equally guilty in this. And Trump, and I know it's going to make somebody mad, many people mad, that one guy who hates us, who calls all the time, who just lives to call our show and insult us, get in line, pal is going to be angry. Trump is equally as guilty on this COVID bullcrap as Biden is because he did the exact same stuff in terms of bribing the states to shut down, promoting promoting mandatory masking, gargantuan amounts of taxpayer dollars for what has been largely proven to be an ineffective vaccine, not going through any of the normal channels. He doesn't get a free pass on this. Here's the thing, though, that Biden said just a couple days ago. He said he's going to release a new vaccine that works. Those are his words. Release a new vaccine that works. Is is he admitting that the last, last vaccine did not work? He doesn't have to admit it, Casey. Everybody knows. Like, you... You have gotten COVID, correct? Mm -hmm. You had the vaccine, correct? And and a couple boosters. And you got what, I don't mean to put words in your mouth here, but you got violently ill. Well, I was sick for a week. Yeah, I would call that pretty ill. Yeah. I mean, you know. (laughs) You, I, I'm I'm a shower every day sort of lady, yes. no matter how I feel. Yeah. I always have to shower. For a week, it was four days, I did not shower. Wow. So that's an indicator right there look, of how bad it was. Look, I mean, and again, it didn't work the way they said it was going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not a vaccine. It and, and the clip is now all over the internet of Joe Biden in that town hall saying if you get the vaccine you're not going to get oh well we've got a montage don't we we do have uh, we're gonna go a little out of order here we uh, actually found a montage of it is biden 
and it is Fauci, mm-hmm. and it is Trudeau, and it is uh, the Prime Minister of Australia, and the, Vic- the Victorian Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. It is a montage of these people, these just total hypocrite, lying loser weirdos, saying that if you get this vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. And then the either the the newscast of mm-hmm. them, and then they got it's like the Arrested Development. He did indeed get COVID. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey, folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. And this morning, I learned, I I tested positive for COVID-19 as well. The three doses that you'll be prevented, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated. It gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Yeah. So Biden only ended the mandatory vaccination of federal federal workers back in May of 23 this year. But now we're going to roll out a vaccine that works. Why, why is anybody even testing? Why is anyone even testing? This should just be such freaking common sense. Mm-hmm. If you are sick, stay home. You, there, there is no, I mean, I get, other than the stuff Trump took, which he got totally mocked for taking, that ivermectin or whatever that is. Just stay home. Tony Kennett was on with us last, was it last week he was mm-hmm, on? Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I have it. And it's like, uh, I have a, whatever it was, scratchy throat or whatever, and I'm fine. And Tony Kennett is now fine and back in the public. This is just stupid. This is stupid, 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 stupid. And you know what they do? They've so instilled fear in people that common sense is out the window. It's like my mom, who is the sweetest lady that ever lived, was exposed, was near someone who had COVID. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I guess I have to quarantine for 14 days. No, woman, you don't. I said, did you test positive? No. Did you test negative? I did. I said, okay, then maybe for a day or two, just keep to yourself. If you need to go to grocery store, I'll go to grocery store. But after that, Mm -hmm. if you're testing negative, go back out into society. Live your life. And, 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 And she's coming from a place of, I don't want to endanger anybody. But they've so screwed people up. And, and this crap that Biden is doing right now is a great example. It's virtue signaling. It's bull crap. It's fear porn. It's manipulation. It's sick and it's gross. If you are sick, stay home. So there's an elementary school in Maryland that has reinstated mask mandates for oh, their students. Oh, God, Casey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and not just the little blue flimsy ones. Oh. They're requiring the N95s, the plastic ones. And these are for third graders. Okay. There were a, a couple kids in one classroom who tested positive. Keep in mind, those kids did not have symptoms, but they were tested. Came back positive. And now they're making the whole school mask up again for two weeks. We, but did we? Did we or did we not tell you months ago this was coming? Yeah, we did. Didn't didn't we? Did we not tell you this? This was coming, and it just you know how I hate 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 <laughs> to have to go on these airwaves and tell you how right we were, but it's so obvious, and they don't even hide it. And you know why they don't hide it? Because everybody rolled over like a bunch of sheep last time, and they're confident that they'll get away with it again. And this is why the Curtis Hill salvo on masks and vaccines is so important. 
Because if it's Brad Chambers or Silent Suzanne, I don't know about this Doden guy. Is he even still running anymore? I've seen commercials for him. Oh! Yeah. Any Anything of worth, or is he still just trying to take over Indianapolis? It's him and his wife just walking down a street. Well, so I have no idea what the Doden guy, at least Braun, mm-hmm. who didn't do anything, actually funded the bribery of the shutdowns. Now, I guess, apparently is like Scrooge on Christmas morning, I'll change, I'll change, and is against shutdowns, and we know where Curtis is. But if you put Chambers, professional Aaron Boy, Brad Chambers, or Silent Suzanne in the governor's mansion next year, you can count on this stuff continuing in perpetuity. You people better wake up when you vote next year. Okay. Well, I know we have to get to a break, but Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and said, I will not vote to fund any school that is masking children. Interesting point there. She's talking about this Maryland school. No more funds for them. She said masking for COVID is insanity and is child abuse. I will not vote to fund any COVID mask mandates, vaccine mandates, or COVID anything. Well, Large Marge said it, so there it is. And Bam! Be- before we get to break, here's Karine uh, Jean-Pierre with the big announcement about Biden masking up. President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. Yeah, except for when he's next to a Medal of Honor winner. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Who is Larry Sinclair? 22 minutes after 9, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Larry Sinclair is a guy that is being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. He says he had sex with Barack Obama back in 1999. And it's not the first time he's telling his story. He has said that since about 2008. Yeah, okay, so this is really what's really interesting is this dude's story has not wavered, and we're going to prove that to you here in just just a moment. But Tucker's going to have this guy on, and... It's interesting. They kind of are releasing this as like this bombshell interview with this guy who claims he smoked crack and had sex with Obama. And it's like this guy's been around around forever. Mm -hmm. And yet it really does put in perspective how much the mainstream national media manipulated even in the pre. I mean, there was a Facebook, but it was not near what it is today in the pre modern Facebook, Twitter era of social media companies squashing stories, how the mainstream national media just totally just, I mean, it's clear was a coordinated effort to say, we're not going to give this guy any time, the time of day. Yeah. Uh, So he's got this interview with Tucker and Tucker's going to release it. And Larry Sinclair, he claims that he smoked crack and had sex with Barack Obama. You're just a guy who's in town for the night, and it sounds like you're looking to party. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside, and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I had given Barack $250 to pay for Coke. I start putting a line on a CD tray to snort, and next thing I know, he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going, and it went the direction I had intended it to go. Even though you had sex with him twice, you did 
cocaine with him, watched him smoke crack twice. You had no idea who he was. I had no idea who he was. You just asked the obvious question, what was Obama like on crack? Um, is it your sense that that's who Obama is, just transactional, or that he's bisexual, or like, what is that? It definitely wasn't Barack's first time, and I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as long. The guy's running for president, and credible information comes out that he's smoking crack and having sex with dudes. That seems like a story. Well, it would be a story if the media really cared about telling people the truth. Okay, so that's the preview of tonight. Mm -hmm. Tucker's going to release that on Twitter. Now, when stories don't change, now it doesn't mean the person's telling the truth, but when stories don't change, Casey, to me it always at least gives a, you know, a morsel of credibility. The, the, here is the same guy, Larry Sinclair, what has it been now? Is this 15-ish or more years ago telling the exact same story he's going to tell on Tucker tonight? was significant from a cell phone to a presently unknown individual during which Senator Obama arranged the cocaine purchase. Senator Obama and I then departed the bar in my limousine and proceeded to an unknown location where Senator Obama exited the limousine with $250, which was provided to him by me. Returned a short while later with an eight ball of cocaine, which he gave to me. I did ingest a couple of lines of cocaine, and shortly thereafter, Senator Obama produced a glass cylinder pipe and packet of crack cocaine from his pocket. Obama then smoked the crack cocaine. I performed fellatio on Senator Obama in the limousine during the time Senator Obama was smoking crack cocaine, after which I had the driver take me to my hotel, the Comfort Suites, Gurney, Illinois. The following day, November 7th, 1999, Senator Obama appeared at my hotel room, unannounced, uninvited, where we again ingested cocaine and I again performed fellatio on Senator Obama. Significantly, both the driver's telephone call to Senator Obama and his call to the drug dealer should appear on the driver's and Senator Obama's cell phone billing statements. In the fall of 2007. So do you believe this guy? Well, okay. Look, again, his story has been very consistent. It's very detailed. The bigger story to me, and I've been saying this for, what has it been now, Since way before I was actually in politics in any sense or in anything government or, you know, hell, so long ago is before I even owned a radio station. That's how long ago this has been. But I would, you know, I was still in college at the time, in fact, because it took me like 10,000 years to get out of college. Do you know I was on the dean's list, though? <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race, Casey. Mm-hmm. But I would remember listening to Rush or various other talk radio and driving to and from school and thinking, how is a guy going to be president of the United States and we know nothing about him? Yeah. And to this day, there's huge portions of this guy's life. Every time Trump has a bowel movement, there's an investigative report on it. And yet there's huge portions of Obama. It doesn't matter whether he's gay or straight. Clearly, based on those letters he wrote his girlfriend, he is at, was at least, at the very least, very inquisitive about Curious. having sure. sex with people of the same... Mm-hmm. Sex, yeah. uh, not to be Austin Powers and use the same word twice in the same sentence, but they're different definitions of the same. You get what I'm saying. Point is, he clearly was very interested in it, but it doesn't matter other than the fact that there's huge portions of this guy's life that we know nothing about. And if we don't know if he was having sex and, with with men and smoking crack, what else don't we know about? Well, but does it matter? It only matters at this point 
if Michelle Obama wants to run for office or if he is Geppetto pulling the well, that's puppet what, absolutely right, and a lot of people think that and believe that. It just uh, has always amazed me long before I was super into this stuff or involved in this stuff when I was just a babe in the woods mm-hmm. going to school that I thought to myself, how could a guy be the he was the front runner and then obviously became the president how could this be happening and no one knows anything about this guy that just blew my mind and it is amazing it is a great example of when the media wants to get someone well they'll go to the ends of the earth donald trump Mm -hmm. or if they They want want to support you whether it is uh barack obama or and we're about to talk about this coming up next joe hogg said where he was during the riots Mm -hmm. mum's the word yeah it's kendall and casey it's 93 wibc Hey, Casey, I have a very simple math question for you. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to do my best. And I know math was not your strong suit, but I totally believe in you. That's why I'm in radio. What is 12 times 3? 36. You are so correct. Hey, question, follow-up question. Yeah. How would you like to get a 36% bonus when you invest your money? Yes, please. So if you invest $100,000, you get a $36,000 bonus. If you invest $200,000, you get a $72,000 bonus. Hey, it's Kendall and Casey. Not only can you get a 36% bonus, you also get a competitive return, an average of 7% a year for the past 10 years. Plus, your money is backed by one of the largest largest insurance companies in the world. To learn more, call Bill Demery, your retirement guy in Indy at 317-932-9912. This 36% bonus won't last long, so call 317-932-9912. 317-932-9912. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Good morning. It is 935. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know what's coming up. Believe it or not, a debate. Oh, how exciting. A live televised debate of the 23 Indianapolis mayoral campaign. So we've got Hogsett and Jeff Shreve, and it's going to happen on our friends over at Wish TV. So these are our news gathering partners. Mm -hmm. They had a big uh, press release that went out. And it will be, uh, let's see here, members of News 8's award-winning news team will serve as moderators, including Phil Sanchez, main evening news anchor and host of All Indiana Politics, and uh, Katiera Winfrey, Indianapolis' only full-time multicultural television reporter. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What day is this? There's a date on this. It's coming up Monday, October 23rd at 6 p.m. Oh, good. Just in time for most people to have early voted. Perfect. But hey, at least we're getting something. And I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever, because Phil Sanchez, in addition to being the most handsome man in all of Indianapolis mm-hmm. media, is a great journalist, will absolutely, on the record, be the first person to not ask, but also get an answer to, where the hell was Joe Hogsett during the riots? How could that not be? How could that not be the first question to Joe Hogsett, whether it's Phil or whoever else is in, in the moderator's seat? How could that absolutely not be the first question you ask is, Dude, the city burned to the ground. People died. Businesses were destroyed. No one knows where you were. Where were you? Yeah. Okay, so you know Phil Sanchez, so maybe you should send him a little note. Uh, we will be highly disappointed in you, Phil, if you do not ask this question. I'm not going to say that a message was sent last night, and I'm not <laughs> going to say that I just simply sent and said, uh, uh, 
commission question mm-hmm. from Rob, longtime Marion County worker. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how do you absolutely, you have the guy on stage, mm-hmm. and if you're Shreve, mm-hmm. now we all know what a wussy that guy is, and I would use a word that rhymes with wussy, but I think I might get in trouble. But if you're Shreve, if that's not the first question, how is that not the first question you ask in your in your first answer, right. and you don't get off it the entire freaking evening? Okay, so it's going to be an hour-long debate between the two between Joe Hogsett and Jefferson Shreve. And interesting, this is the first live hour-long debate on television in Indianapolis in nearly 20 years. So there will be some eyeballs watching this. And uh, but of course, but how? But it doesn't matter if they don't ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. And with Hogsett, it's like IndyStar. When that lady for IndyStar had a random, confused, accidental act of journalism breakout where she actually asked him the question, and then he gives this bizarre Mm non-answer. Like, Casey, ask me where I was last night. Where were you last night, Rob? I was at my house the entire freaking evening. Mm -hmm. Ask me what I did. What'd you do? (laughs) You cried? No, I took care of someone. I've been, like, the, the you could ask me all week where I've been, and I could tell you in, in intricate detail where I was the entire week. Mm-hmm. This guy get at, and I haven't done anything important. I'm sitting around in my underwear eating Cheetos, taking care of a baby. This guy is the mayor mm-hmm. of a city that burned to the ground. Businesses were looted, destroyed. People literally died, and no one knows where he was, and nobody in Indianapolis media has ever asked this guy where he was except for the one lady at IndyStar who got the weirdest, most rambling, incoherent answer ever and didn't even ask a follow-up. Okay, so Phil Sanchez, this is a uh, message for you, buddy. We know you're a beautiful person. We know you're intelligent. (laughs) We know you're one heck of a good anchor. But we're counting on you to ask the question, Phil Sanchez. Ask Joe Hogsett, where were you during the civil unrest? If you want to be (laughs) diplomatic about it, you can even word it that way. You don't have to use the word riot. You can say civil unrest. But we're counting on you, Phil Sanchez at Wish TV, to ask the mayor where he was. I have no doubt Phil Sanchez will ask that question because (laughs) look, just take take us out of the equation. Mm -hmm. The premise of a debate is to get questions to get answers to questions that are of interest to the society you wish to, you wish to serve how could anyone with a straight face not say the society that you wish to serve does not have a vested interest in finding out where the mayor of the city was during the riots? Take WIBC, take Rob Kendall, take Casey Daniels, take Jason Hammer, take Tony Katz, remove us from the equation. How could any supposed journalist look looks look their audience in the eye and say, no, you have no interest in knowing where the mayor was during the riots. Nobody knows where the guy was. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're going to have the opening salvo where they introduce themselves. They say a few things. And if it doesn't get asked, as you mentioned, Jefferson Shreve should be the one to ask well, and, at some point when full, he has a chance. And full disclosure, and I think we've said this before, I don't even care anymore because this guy's such a loser and has ran such a terrible campaign. We told them, did we not, Casey, from the moment he walked in here with that Wendy's bag mm-hmm. several months ago, mm-hmm. y- every ad you run, everything you do, everything you say should be about where was this moron during the riots when the city burned to the ground. And you know what he's asked? None. Zero. You know what he spent his 
unlimited fortune on going after law-abiding gun owners. So he does have a new ad running right now, and I will say that I think it's pretty decent. The best part of the ad, Jefferson Shreve's ad, is the testimony. It's it's a woman sitting there, and she's giving a testimony about how she's given Hogsett enough seven years. He's had enough time. She's ready to move on. Don't give me that look. <laughs> I'm saying out of all of the ads that I've seen from Jefferson Shreve, his latest one has been the best. Although it's running on Hulu a lot. Oh, I don't know if that's the right oh, platform. Oh, you mean it's better than the one where he's talking about abortion? Mm-hmm. I, what a, Jefferson Shreve, you are a gigantic disappointment of epic proportions. <laughs> I just so wish on, I, I can't even begin in the time allotted to us for this segment to tell you what a colossal disappointment you have been given your infinite wealth and ability because this campaign should have been not just about Jefferson Shreve. It should have been about holding Joe Hogsett accountable for all the lives his crappy policies have ruined what he has done to this city that we all love. Jefferson Shreve had the opportunity to do that because of the wealth that has been bestowed upon him. And instead, he has spent his time talking about bizarre things like abortion and going after law-abiding gun owners. Yeah, and he does mention that he wants to make laws that are specific for Indianapolis, ordinances, which we know can't happen. Do do you have any faith? I actually have faith Phil Sanchez is going to ask is going to ask Joe Hogsett where he well, was. Yeah, because you're going to get Phil Sanchez all wound no, up to do it. No, no, no. Phil Sanchez <laughs> is way too professional to take any advice from me on moderating anything. Phil and I are friends, but he's definitely not going to take any advice from me. Phil will do it because it's, as we said, it is a society. It is a, a question of huge relevance to society. However. It shouldn't matter what question Phil Sanchez asks because Jefferson Shreve, in every answer, should be pointing out, no one knows where you were, Skippy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Hogsett seeking his third term as mayor of Indianapolis, Jefferson Shreve, a businessman who previously served on the city county council, ran for state senator at one point, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But again, that debate is going to be held on... Monday, October 23rd okay. at 6 p.m. Casey, real quick, and I yeah. know we got to get to a break here mm-hmm. real soon. Uh, any chance, any chance, any chance, any chance you're going to vote for Jefferson Shreve? Are you still undecided? I'm still undecided. There's a greater chance that I'll vote for him than Hogsett. Well, I did. I know that. Clearly. But I, I mean, but there's still it's, a chance. It's, it's, either, it's either a vote for Shreve or a no vote. Okay. So when we come back, Nikki Kelly, Indiana Capital Chronicle, will be with us. She has mm-hmm. a fabulous new piece out. She took our pal Silent Suzanne to task and tried to find the $8 billion Suzanne will need to cut from the budget in order to axe the tax. This yeah. is great. I love this. It's coming up. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What once seemed black and white Turns to so many shades of green. We lose ourselves in what to do. 
So, could what Suzanne Crouch actually axe the tax? Our next guest has done some math that she's not necessarily buying it. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. And Casey, yeah. you, you may have heard this, that our old our old friend, Silent Suzanne Crouch, she's got a big plan. Mm-hmm. Big plan. Yeah. So, she's going to axe the income tax. Yeah. And we've heard from multiple people who have said, wait a second, I'm not sure if that's exactly feasible because, well, that would involve cutting... $8 billion? $8 billion. <laughs> Dollars from the state budget, and our next guest has a fabulous new piece out of the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Nikki Kelly, our old friend, where she has actually tried to cut eight billion from the state budget. And Nikki, you say, well, that's going to be tough. It's going to be massively tough. Um, <laughs> you know, both Suzanne Crouch and there's a state task force looking at whether this is feasible or considering eliminating the the income tax. And I think that's a great discussion to have. The point of the article to me was just, we can't ignore the consequences. We can't just say, oh, how great, let's cut a tax without saying what the result is going to be. And there's yeah, well, I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting. Here's the line that I thought was best in this article. And by the way, you can find it now at Indiana Capital Chronicle. The title of the piece by Nikki Kelly is, Can You Cut $8 billion from the State Budget? I Tried. And I thought this was the really telling part of the article. You said, quote, After all, Republicans have controlled the governor's office since 2005 and supermajorities in the General Assembly for at least a decade. If there are billions in wasteful spending in the state budget, that doesn't say much for GOP fiscal stewardship and i thought that was perfect because look you guys have been in charge of everything and yet suzanne's trying to say well there's all this waste that we can find yeah it's just not realistic or an honest discussion to say we won't have to raise a tax or we won't have to make draconian cuts i mean some mix of that will have to occur to eliminate the income tax you know entirely and so that was the point of the exercise was You know, I assumed some growth, I assumed some basic cuts, and then I went from there to try to really figure out how to cut $8 billion, and it becomes untenuous. I mean, I think I only got to $6 billion, and I gave up, Mm -hmm. because it's really hard. You start getting into smaller programs that are $5, $10 million, you know, which to me is a huge amount of money, but in the grand scheme of a $22 million budget... You know, I'm going to be there forever trying to get to $8 billion. You were very charitable. You said, I'm going to start off by saying that these new efficiencies or new investments going to cover a billion dollars of lost revenue. Yeah, I mean, I wanted I wanted to say, you know, this is the, the quote plan, although it's pretty light on details. Okay, let's assume that you will see some new investment in the state. There are people who might move here if they want to avoid an income tax. There are, and I'm not arguing there aren't efficiencies to be found, but in much smaller doses. So yeah, I gave them the billion to start, and then I tried from there. (laughs) Uh, Nikki Kelly is our guest. She has a new piece out at uh, Indiana Capital Chronicle trying to find the $8 billion that Suzanne Crouch uh, says, I guess, that she wants to get rid of in order to to axe the income tax. It's a really interesting piece. Isn't part of it, too, like, okay, and Casey and I have talked about this. If I came out and said I'm going to get rid of the income tax, I think people would believe, whether you agree with what I find or not, Rob Kendall's going to find that $8 billion and just for fun find $2 billion more. Nobody really believes Suzanne Crouch is now some government super reformer who is all about you know cutting and slashing government because, as you said in the piece, she's been there for the past seven years. 
Yeah, I mean, in her her plan, she proposes a task force that would do those, you know, find those cuts. Mm -hmm. But my point is that shouldn't be something we wait to the end to discuss. This is part of the discussion about whether to axe the tax is the cost of axing the tax. You can't just consider one side of the equation and not the other. How much does that task force cost? Yeah, who knows? I mean, probably, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars is mm-hmm. normally what these task force cost. They pay them some basic per diem and use existing staff, you know, staff. But, um, you know, I just wanted to point out that these are discussions that are fair to have and we should be having them as part of a substantive governor's race. But let's have the full discussion, not just part of it. A lot of people have been critical of her because they felt like, hey, this comes on the heels of Brad Chambers getting in, which is clearly going to pull votes from her. Curtis Hill comes out with the no mask mandate thing, which gets all sorts of headlines. And I think a lot of people have said kind of what you're saying, Nikki. Hey, this is a worthwhile conversation, but it seems like you just threw this out there without any sort of detail whatsoever. And the public deserves better if you're signa- on your signature policy proposal rather than, well, I'll figure it out later. Yes, yeah, strategically, I think they made a good move. They wanted to change the narrative and, and get her some press, right? And so they did. And so her opponents have had to respond to it. And she's had some momentum in the sense of earned media. So I think they did made a good move in in putting a proposal out there, a goal. I call it more of a goal than a proposal. And so that was good for her, but, uh, you know, there you have to back it up at some point. And right now the details are very slim. Yeah, so you're saying the actual execution of it is a lot tougher than what we're getting just in a campaign soundbite. Yeah, you know, several decades ago, David McIntosh, who was then a congressman, ran for governor, and he had this plan to cut property taxes by 25%. Well, he had these buttons and everything. Well, it went on for months because he wouldn't say how he would do it. And so that became the definition of his campaign back then was he was going to cut property taxes but not explain how. Mm-hmm. And and um, she can't let that happen. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this quite a bit, Nikki, where it seems like, and I will say this about all the people running, even the ones we may like a little more than others, that there doesn't really seem to be any... With, with Mitch Daniels, whether you agreed with what he did or not, you knew he knew the details of what he was doing. None of these people thus far have struck me as real intellectual mega giants in the sense of, hey, we're really going to dig into these, the nuts and bolts of this, and tell you how it's going to work. It doesn't seem like anybody's putting the work in. It is early, to be fair. I mean, you know, we're probably going to see a lot more of this come, you know, the beginning of the new year, uh, you know, on the Republican side. Usually we wouldn't even have all the candidates in the field yet. Um, So the candidates got in earlier. We're starting to see some proposals earlier. So hopefully they'll build on that and we'll get some more detail. Uh, Mitch Daniels, I think, will always be a uh, sort of exception to the rule. He had a massive roadmap with lots of details. And so maybe we're a little spoiled on that one. Well, we got to give Nikki credit, Casey. She mm-hmm. said on Twitter, I will be more diplomatic than you about this, Rob. And she <laughs> sure has. She is. Hey, uh, Nikki, you have poured over the state budget for many years. You're familiar with it. Uh, bottom line this for our listeners. Is it feasible to cut $8 billion? 
okay, hold on. It's feasible to eliminate the income tax. You, but something has to give. In the states that don't have an income tax, they have much higher sales taxes. You know, you can cut some and raise a, a, a revenue in another area um, and still get the benefit of not having an income tax. But you can't cut a full $8 billion. Absolutely be, not. Oh, is that sounds like a challenge to me, Nikki. Let's do it. Come on. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> so it sounds to me like what you're saying is, yeah, you can go ahead and cut the income tax. You can axe the tax. But then you'll just replace the tax someplace else. So it's just a big shell game. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's... It's recognizing that a base level services are required, and it, certainly you could cut a billion. But would it be draconian? Would you know we pro- be providing education for all students? Probably not. You know we would have massive class sizes because you can't cut a billion without impacting half the budget. Uh, you know, and so you know it's it's just weighing what's worth it to you. It, and and we could have a discussion about expanding the sales tax to services, which we've not done in Indiana. And the fact is, is that Indiana has a pretty low tax burden overall compared to the rest of the nation. If anything, our sales tax is the misnomer and that is you know higher and more regressive. We have a low flat income tax, but they're very focused on that. I thought the one part in the article that might make a few people pucker was that the Indiana Attorney General's office isn't required by the Constitution, so you could completely <laughs> abolish that and save about $30 million. Like I said, I was getting desperate trying to find the cuts, and the Treasurer and the Auditor's office are constitutional offices, and so... I was looking for cuts anywhere I could. Uh, the great Nikki Kelly, you find her over at the Indiana Capital Chronicle, the new piece out. It is, can you cut $8 billion from the state budget? I tried. I really, really enjoyed reading this. <laughs> Thanks for your efforts, and you're the best. Thank you. All right. You have a good day. Thanks, Nikki. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.